on this afternoon, amen, let us turn our attention, amen, to the gospel according to Matthew chapter 6. The gospel according to Matthew chapter 6. And today we're going to find our scripture text starting at the ninth verse of chapter 6 of the gospel according to Matthew. In the ninth verse, we find these words. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Amen. I want to talk to you a few moments from the thought, how to pray. How to pray. Amen. In our series of lessons on the mind, the making, and the ministry of Jesus Christ, amen, we have entered into a section of scripture called the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount consists of chapters 5, 6, and 7. This is also called the Manifesto of the King. Remember that Matthew is writing his gospel to display Jesus Christ as King. This morning in our Sunday school, we found that it will be the King who separates the sheep from the goats. And he mentioned as he was speaking to the sheep to be blessed of my father. So it clearly shows the role will be of king that is Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. And so here again we are dealing with prayer. It is so interesting in the manifesto of the king, the requirements, the desires, the, 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 the mind of God. He spends so much time on prayer. If you look, each other area that we have dealt with have been a few verses and then it moved on. Amen. Amen. Giving and it moved on. But prayer gets a lot of text. It gets a lot of press. Why? Because prayer is the principal thing. So many times Christians will say, well, all I can do is pray. As if prayer is relegated to some lowly spot that after all the things 
that were effective have been done, then you come to prayer. But I'm here to tell you and Jesus as well that prayer is the principal thing. Prayer is the most important thing. Before you open your mouth, you ought to pray. Before you go and try to tell anybody about anything, you ought to pray. Before you go to your counselors or your doctors or your lawyers, you ought to pray. Before you go to your children or your husband or your mom and dad, you ought to pray. Because the reality is God has to get us in a position to be able to do anything we need to do. And it comes by communicating with him. The effectual fervent prayers of the righteous avail of much. But if there's no prayer, there's no power. Amen. Little prayer, there's little power. But much prayer, much power. Am I right about it, church? So, So the saints must realize that the king is saying you need to put special emphasis on prayer. You need to get it on the forefront and not let it be in the caboose. Amen. So, so we have noticed that he talked about hypocrisy in prayer preceding this. He talked about how these folks are just saying words over and over again. That they're just talking and they're going out to the streets and in the synagogue and they're praying not for God's approval but for man's. That they were doing a lot of praying but God didn't hear it. Amen. He said, y'all were praying, but you weren't praying to me. See, God takes prayer seriously. He doesn't just want us to be uh, meditating or, or, or saying the same words over and over again as if there's some magic in those words. Amen. Prayer is a tool by which we communicate with our Heavenly Father. It's a tool by which we commune with him, by which we honor him, we lift him up, we praise him, by which we give him our needs, we tell him about our desires, we tell him about the goals that we have in our life. We talk to the Lord about these things and he talks to us. Amen. So if you have no prayer, then you have no connection with God. Amen. That is one of the principal attributes of a born again believer that they are prayerful. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Men ought to always what? Pray. So here it's fitting that Jesus would emphasize prayer on multiple dimensions. Not only would he send out a scathing remark of the hypocritical prayer of the of the leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, but also come back tenderly to his disciples and say, in this manner, you all to pray. When we look at this prayer, it is not Jesus's prayer, but it's the disciples model prayer. I contend to you, if you want to hear Jesus pray, then go to John chapter 17 which we call the high priestly prayer. There you will hear Jesus pray, but this is the model for his disciples. And I want to let us know today that the disciples did not end with the 12. Amen. There were more disciples all around them and they continue to this day. Everyone who will follow after Jesus is a disciple of him. Amen. Amen. And so now we begin to turn our attention to this text. He says, in this manner, 
therefore pray. In the words, in this manner, Jesus is allowing us to know he doesn't necessarily want us to pray this prayer verbatim, but it is a framework. It is a mindset by which we are to come to the Lord. Amen. It is, it is in this way we ought to pray because, see, he just got through talking about hypocritical prayer right before. Because you see in verse 9 it says, in this manner, therefore. When you see therefore, you ought to ask the question, what is it there for? The therefore is there because right before that he just gave a scathing uh, set of remarks about hypocritical prayer. But he's saying now get your minds right and pray in this manner. Amen. And so in verse 9, amen, he says, he says, our father in heaven. First of all, when you begin to pray, you must understand who you're praying to. It's not the man upstairs. It's not the good one in the high places. For a saint of God, that is our father. Amen. There is a relationship here, y'all. And even when we say, and the good Lord, which is true, but that does not equate to the relationship that every believer should have with God. We are no longer strangers. We are no longer outside of the commonwealth of Israel. We're no longer those who have been dejected and cast out and marginalized. We are now his children. And being his children, we ought to call him dear daddy. Romans chapter 8 lets us know that we have been part of an adoption. Amen. Those who were the wild olive branches have been grafted in, Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 8 says we are in this adoption. The papers have been signed and now we are part of the same family that the Jewish nation is. Amen. We're part of that family and we have been adopted in. And by no means will we be cast out. See, man, man is funny with the way he does things, but God is sure according to him. So he is our father. We have once been those who were the object of wrath. Amen. Do y'all understand? Do you remember the Old Testament scriptures where God gave favor to the Israeli nation to, to, to exterminate, amen, Gentile nations? And we here are Gentiles, amen, who have been grafted in. And now we get the same benefits that Israel does. Amen. The Bible says we are joint heirs with Christ. We now have the same father that he has. That is a wonderful message for some folks who really deserve to be utterly destroyed, to be cast into a bottomless pit. God, because of his love and kindness, has changed and flipped the script that now we are his children. And not just children, but joint heirs with Christ. I don't know about you, but I can't even imagine how much God has for us. Amen. Because he's the astounding one. He is the one who has all the silver and the gold. He has all the peace and the joy. He has everything that we need and more. Because he's an everlasting God from everlasting to everlasting. That's good news. That makes my soul shout. Hallelujah. Because I know that my business 
is fixed and that no man or no thing can take me out of his hand. He is my God. Hallelujah. And the God of gods is my father. Amen. And he's your father too. Praise his holy name. So when we look at this text, it says in heaven. That's the wonderful thing to know as well that our father sits high and looks low. And he is well acquainted because of his son, Jesus Christ, with our infirmities. Amen. He cares about us. That's why Peter said, cast your cares on him for he cares for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, be anxious for nothing, Paul said, but by prayer and supplication, making your request known to God with thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Because what you got to know is that God answers prayer. Amen. And so you can thank God in advance. Hallelujah. Well, that's a time of shouting to know that God already has your stuff taken care of before you even ask. But he wants you to pray. Because the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Jesus says another point. He says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it to the Father's glory. It all comes with prayer. But when we look at this text, we see that it says, hallowed be your name. That lets us know not to get it twisted about who our father is. Amen. We have earthly fathers, amen, and sometimes they are a little bit uh, to the left or to the right, amen. Sometimes they're not walking the way that they need to be walking, amen. But our father in heaven is holy, amen. And he will have no unholiness before him. Amen. See, see, much can mess around in this world and parents can end up clubbing together. But not God. Not this father. He's much different. And he's far holier. So we must realize that we can't come to God any old kind of way. Even as the father because he's holy. Hallowed be his name. But it also goes on to say that hallowed be his name is also holy is his authority. There is no other authority like God's authority. All other authorities are subject to his authority. By the name Jesus, every knee shall bow, huh? And every tongue shall confess. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. See, he's holy. Amen. And now this same one, Jesus, whom everyone is going to bow to, every nation is going to have to reckon with, he says, I have one above me who is the Father who is all in all. He's holy, y'all. He's righteous. And we ought to treat him as such. Amen. He wants us to come close to him. But he don't want us to be talking with him any old kind of way. Amen. Amen. So when we look at our text, the next part of this framework, amen, for prayer says your kingdom come. That's a big one. Because as we think about this framework, this mindset for prayer, when we're praying to God in this manner, we're saying, God, let your kingdom come come that rolls us back to the kingdom agenda the kingdom agenda is the comprehensive rule of God over every aspect of our lives 
So when we pray in this manner, we're saying, Lord, have your way. Not my will, but thy will be done. And he's saying, we're saying to him, Lord, send your kingdom, Lord. Lord, give us instruction and Lord, we obey you. Master, we want to be in perfect obedience to you as your son was obedient. Amen. Your kingdom come. But it also looks to the sovereignty of God, the ability for God to do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. His kingdom is coming, y'all. Whether we decide to get on board or not, he's coming. And his kingdom is too. Because Jesus said himself when he was talking to Peter, he said, on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. His kingdom is is coming the text goes on to say your will be done we're saying to God when we're praying we're saying your will be done we're saying Lord let me do what you have commanded me to do let me let your will be expressed in the world that's why it's so important not to have an identity crisis saints of God not to be like the man who was a hearer of the word only but not a doer like the man in James said, when he looked in the mirror and immediately when he left that mirror, he forgot who he was. Too many Christians come to church and know who they are, but then when they walk out the door, they go back to the same worldly ways. But when you're praying in this manner, you realize that his will be done. And that means that we be Christians every day of the week. That we don't forget who we are because we hear the word and then we do it. Your will be done. And how should that will be done on earth as it is in heaven? As pure as the commandments are taken care of in heaven, as pure as the obedience is there, it needs to be down here. And we're saying, Lord, we want to be in that circle. We want to be in that number of those who are named that have been obedient to you, who have carried out your instructions, who have represented you in the world, so that the world may know that there's a reality in serving a true and living God, that there is a kingdom that is not of this world, and this is how you get citizenship. But when we're doing this and that and any old kind of thing, dipping and dabbing and doing all kinds of matters of evil, how will the world know the direction? How will they be driven to the light if we're in darkness? Your will be done as it on earth as it is in what? Heaven. So we go on in the text and we take a turn. Amen. The prayer starts to take a turn. At first we are all are pointing toward God. We're all looking at him. We're looking at his instruction. We're looking at his preeminence. We're looking at his glory. We're looking at his grandeur. We're looking at him in his fullness. And we're saying we want to get on board. But then we realize our frailty. Amen. We realize our lack. We're not as strong as we think we are sometimes. Amen. But this prayer will bring us right back To understanding where we really are. Verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. It says here that the source of our sustenance, the source of our life does not come from ourselves. It doesn't come from our schemes and our dreams. It doesn't come from our acts. It comes from the Lord. 
Whatever we are, whatever we have, and whatever we get comes from the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell in it. The cattle on a thousand hills and the hills thereof is the Lord's. So if we're going to be fed, if we're going to live, we got to live every day by God. Not by our counselors, not by our doctors, not by our politicians, not by our president, not by our country, not by the United Nations, but by God and God alone. No man can wake you up in the morning. No man can start you on your way. Well, preacher, my alarm clock wakes me up. Not before God puts his loving hand on you. Because there's a lot of people whose alarm clock has gone off. And they never got up. Amen. Amen. Their next destination was the cooling board. Give us this day. Amen. And we are not going to live a day without the Lord. The Bible says in in the garden that that he breathed the breath of life into Adam. And guess what? Newsflash. He's still breathing the breath of life into us today. This is serious business, but we got to put God where he's supposed to be and put ourselves where we're supposed to be. We are needy. Amen. I mean, we live in a culture that constantly says, well, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. Ah, yeah. God says in John chapter 15, without me, you can do nothing. So there's not any picking up yourself with your own bootstraps unless God gives you the strength. Well, I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. I'm going to make this money. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to retire this day. I'm going to do that. Not unless the Lord says so. The Bible says, I believe around the 18th chapter of Deuteronomy, that it is God who gives us the power to make wealth. Amen. Nothing's happening around here, y'all, without the Lord. Nothing. Not even a breath. It is of the Lord. So when we look at our text, it ought to humble us to realize that we are frail and we are in dependence on God. And when we get to that place, we won't look down on nobody else because we realize that we have to have the same things that they need. And we got no more than they have. See, the the evil one, Satan himself, will try to trick us into believing there are levels here. There are some better than others. But the Bible clearly lets us know it's all equal at the cross. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. So our text goes on to let us know that we got to depend on God. And see, look here. Look at the next part of the text. It says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In another place it says, and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who've trespassed against us. Now now look at the the juxtaposition. Look at the the, the tension in that text. Look at the tension because he says, he says, you need to ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. As you forgive others of their sins against you. Now that's tight, but it's right. Because... If God doesn't forgive us, amen, oh, how pitiful, oh, how dire our situation is, amen. 
Because all it takes is, as Sister Butler said this morning in Sunday school, one sin to send you straight to hell. Amen. It's humbling now because this allows us to get our minds right. I, I love this model prayer, this framework, because it tightens us up, doesn't it? It gets us back to where we're supposed to be and it aligns us the way we're supposed to walk. Amen. Amen. So we look at this text. We find out that there's a relationship between our forgiving others, Reverend Stephen, amen, and God forgiving us. So when we sit around, amen, and we, we, we hold unforgiveness on folks, say, well, you know, they did me wrong and I ain't going to forgive them. I'm going to just keep on, you know what, I, I, I want them to suffer. Then you are going to suffer. Because God is not interested in his people having and holding grudges and being unforgiving. Amen. Your very well-being is based on how you forgive other folks. So that causes us to realize, Deacon Johnson, that we got to live a life of being forgiving. Because we don't want God to hold back nothing from us. We need everything that he'll give us. Amen. Amen. So we go on in the text and it says, and do not lead us into temptation. Now, the Bible lets us know, I believe in the, the, the epistle of James, that God doesn't tempt anybody. Amen? So what in the world is this scene? He says, and do not lead us into temptation. Well, the Greek word for temptation can be translated multiple ways. And the way that this needs to be translated properly is test. So he's saying, and do not lead us into testing, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this is huge right here. Around the Christian circles, we have this uh, idea that, you know what, when you're praising God, tell the devil this and and stomp on the devil's head and all this old kind of stuff as if the devil is some kind of weak, mealy-mouthed being that we can just walk over anytime we get ready. But I'm sorry to tell you that that is not Satan. Satan is a very powerful being. Amen. Do you realize that Satan was the chief of angels? He was the chief musician. He was over the host of angels. See, that's what got him messed up. God had given him so much glory that he forgot who he was. He got to looking at himself and his glory. And then, as Isaiah said, I think in the 13th or 14th chapter, he said that I will ascend to the throne. He he said, you know, I'm so beautiful and I'm so powerful. That's my place. God, God need to get out the way because I'm the one. I mean, all these angels are, are, are obeying me and, uh, hey, I'm so beautiful and I've got such beautiful music, I should take the throne. All right. But he forgot who he was. Yeah. And so he got cast out. But to see how powerful and how persuasive he was, one third of the angels went with him. Mm. We find that in Revelation. Amen. Right. Satan is nothing to play with. You ain't going to just walk over him and do all of that kind of stuff because even Michael, the archangel, amen, in Jude said this. He said, the Lord 
rebuke you, Satan. He didn't say, I'm going to rebuke you. But even the archangel Michael, that's the second most powerful one. He's not messing with Satan. Satan is only to be messed with by God. God is the only one powerful enough to take care of him. So our prayer here allows us to realize that we need to be careful and we need to go to the Lord saying, Lord, don't lead us into one of these tests that we can't handle. Amen. Don't don't lead us into one of these tests that we will be torn apart in. Amen. He said, Lord, keep us. You'll be like you said over in, I believe, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 13, where he says, there is no temptation such as common to man, but God is faithful and he will not lead you into any temptation that you're unable to bear. But with the temptation, he will give you a way of escape. See, that's where our prayer comes. Lord, don't lead me somewhere that I can't handle. Don't lead me somewhere where you're not there to give me a way of escape. That's what this is saying. Because the next part of it says, but deliver us from the evil one. I love the way that the New King James translates that. Because a lot of times it says deliver from evil. And it seems like it's generic in thought. But when you look at the Greek on this text, you find that it's personal. So it's in a person. So it says, do not, but deliver us from the evil one. By implications, it is talking about Satan. Because we're no, we're no match for him without the Lord. The Lord is the only one that can handle Satan. But because we are his children, amen, we can cry out to the master and say, Lord, save us. Lord, deliver us from the evil one. Just like sheep that's going on their way to slaughter, that the good shepherd would take his rod and beat away the wolves, amen, and bring the sheep to safety. That's how God is about us, amen, because we're like sheep, We are weak and we are meek and and we don't have a lot of power. But the shepherd that we serve, the rod is in his right hand, praise his holy name. And so as we go on in this text, we see, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 For it is his that's the kingdom. We're not running nothing. It's the Lord's. We acknowledge that it's all yours, Lord. The kingdom is yours. And you know what? All the power is yours and all the glory is yours. I don't need to be standing around here trying to read my own paper or my own clips in the paper. I need to be giving glory to you. No matter how well I do what I do, it all comes from the Lord. No matter how well I dance, no matter how well I do in football or basketball, no matter how well I do on my job, no matter how much money I make, it's all glory due to God. Because without God, we can do what? Nothing. So as we look at our text, we realize it's his forever. Amen. And that's good news, saints, because when we leave this place of sin, when we leave this temporary land, because a man born of a woman's life is short and full of trouble, we're going to a place that's forever. Amen. A place where there's no more tears and no more suffering forever. Amen. We're going to a place where we don't have to worry no more 
sure about the issues of life forever. Amen. But the text says, as I come to a close, for if you don't forgive me and they trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. On our way to forever, amen, we need to realize that we need to be forgiven. I know sometimes folk do stuff to you that you don't like and it's very hurtful. But the reality is we've done stuff to other folks as well and it's been hurtful. And we need the same forgiveness from them as they need from us. But even more that if we don't forgive our brothers and our sisters, then God will not forgive us. We don't want to be in that kind of situation, amen. We want to be in the mode of forgiveness with God with great communion. Because in that get, great getting up morning, in that forever, amen, we want to see our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in all his glory forever, amen. We want to see the one who hung, bled, and died for us forever, Amen. We want to see that one who has all power in his hand forever. Amen. One of these days, and it won't be very long, you're going to look for me and I'll be gone forever. Amen. The Bible says in a twinkling of an eye, the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise. They that remain shall be caught up in the air forever. Amen. That's good news, children. So now that we know these things and we have this framework in which to pray. We need to keep on living the life that God has set forth for us to live. And one of these days, it'll all be over. No more sickness and no more pain. Forever, amen. Forever, amen. Forever, amen. Praise the name of the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. Now we open the doors of the church. Amen. If there's someone here who doesn't really know whether or not they're going to be in this forever. Amen. Right now is the time to get to know Jesus Christ in the pardoning of your sins. Now is the time to say, Lord, I am a sinner in need of a savior. Lord, come and forgive me of my sins and to live in my heart. Right now is that time while the blood is running warm in your veins. You can get to know the Lord today. For he is willing to save your very soul. Why don't you come today?
come today. Sister Kathy. Amen. None came, but there's still plenty of good room. Amen. 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 If our hearts and minds are clear, amen, let us stand for our benediction. Amen. your name for another day's journey. Lord, thank you for every saint under the sound of my voice, O oh God. Lord, continue to anoint their heads with fresh oil. Lord, get us in a place to be concerned about the 265 million that need to hear your word, O oh God. Lord, keep us on the battlefield building relationships and leading folks to you. Lord, we're so thankful, Lord, that you've given us the opportunity to be ambassadors for your kingdom. So, Lord, let us be about the work, O oh God. Lord, let us not forget who we are when we walk out of these doors. Lord, let us be about your business every day of our life. And Lord, as we prepare to give, Lord, in our tithes and our offerings, O oh God. Lord, we ask that you continue to bless us, O oh God. To use the offering as you would have it to be used, Lord, for kingdom building. So in that great getting up morning, when we see you face to face, you can say, good and faithful servants, enter into the joy of the Lord. And Lord, as we go from this place to our prospective homes and other destinations, Lord, put your loving arms of protection around us and keep us from all hurt, harm, and danger. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus and the whole church saying, Amen. Please be seated and obey the ushers. Amen. <laughs> 